You may be seated. Appreciate the spirit of the Holy Ghost that we feel in the house this morning. Uh, there was one other video I know um, of, of Pastor and Brother David welcoming the church. I'll have to see if we can um, play that tonight. I'm not sure if that didn't get sent over in the email correctly. So we'll try to get that fixed and get that played for you guys tonight. Also, I know we already mentioned uh, Brother Larry Neenover. Uh, Sister Shirley stopped me and said she had a, just a very quick update that um, they're hoping maybe this week um, he can come home. Um, and so some of you heard um, that request on Wednesday. So just remember uh, Brother Larry, remember Sister Susan, remember that whole family uh, during this very difficult time. So pray for Brother Larry. And again, we want to, I want to, give thanks and honor to our pastor and sister Showstrand. So thankful for their voice um, in our lives. Amen. And, and um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be able to speak with you guys this morning. So we want to pray that they have a good trip and we're going to pray for the service. Amen. Also, one last thing. Thank you for the church for praying for our daughter, for Brylin. Um, she's had a rough week, so if you could continue to pray for her. She's actually at home with her, uh, her nana because after everything else, now she's also picked up a little bit of a virus, so she's not feeling very well. So remember her, and I know some of you guys saw the text and maybe wondered what was going on. Um, last Saturday, excuse me, last Saturday she uh, just fell off the chair at dinner, and which... It's not abnormal, I must say. And we, she, she's kind of clumsy. I don't know who she gets it from, uh, but she falls a lot. And so we just kind of brushed her off. It was fine. But it turns out Sunday morning, we were getting ready for church. And we could tell something wasn't right. And she ended up, she had broken her arm where the elbows connected there. She broken her upper arm and required surgery. So we spent the day at Children's that Sunday and needed surgery Monday. Um, surgery went well. Um, and then Wednesday, she got a fever in the middle of the night. Um, Albany had similar um, complications with fevers, and she ended up getting a, having a febrile seizure um, Wednesday night, or Wednesday morning, I should say, about 12.30 in the morning. So she had a, a rough week, and now she's also fighting that. So thank you for your prayers. Um, we very much appreciate it. When she was in surgery, and the, the surgeon came and, and talked to us and kind of gave us the rundown of what we can expect, um, he talked about her cast, and like I mentioned, did I mention she falls a lot? She, she bumps a lot, and so I was kind of worried about that, and so I asked the doctor, I said, um, I know she'll have a cast. Should we be like really extra fragile with her? Should we be extra concerned with her? Because she's kind of rough and tumble. And the surgeon said, yeah, that's okay. Uh, that's actually why the cast is there. The cast is there to protect her from herself. And I thought about that, and the Lord had been dealing with me this week about what I was going to preach about, and originally I was going to title it something like um, the antidote to the world or the antidote to the flesh, but I thought that's a good title right there, saving you from yourself. That's what I want to speak on, that right now I can't help but feel, and I know I'm not alone, that the world is in turmoil. The world right now, it's not... We're, I don't feel peace when I'm out in the world. When I turn on the, the TV, I don't feel peace when I watch the news. How about you? And so I felt like the world right now is in turmoil. And so how do we live above that? How do we save ourselves from us, from our flesh, from the world? And if you want to turn with me, I want to read out of Galatians Chapter 5, familiar scripture here, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 through 18, 
He says, then I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the next verse says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So there's that fight between the flesh and the spirit. And then this last verse says, but if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So I want to speak a little bit about saving you from you. Saving you from your flesh, from yourself. And how we do that is what we just read, was we can get into the spirit. Paul was teaching the Galatians. Remember, this is early in the church. And he was teaching the Galatians, the Galatian church, how to now live in this new world, this new uh, paradigm where Jesus has now died for your sins. He's now resurrected. He's now given you the Holy Ghost. Now what? Now how do we live? And he had two different groups of people that he's trying to bring together. He had those who were born and raised in the Jewish faith, and they were raised under the law, and they were, they were very strict. In fact, Paul was a, a Pharisee. He was very strict under the law. And he's trying to teach them that Jesus had fulfilled that law, and that now you don't have to follow all 613 rules and commandments, but instead you can live by the Spirit. So he, he has that dynamic. But he was also teaching the new converts, the Gentiles, the people who were not raised um, in, in this Jewish background. And he's trying to teach them, okay, now how do we bring them into the fold? And what Paul was dealing with was the church was struggling with, with that conflict. And people who were raised um, under the law were then trying to apply the law to the new converts, to the Gentiles. They were trying to say, no, you have to do it the way we were always taught to do it. And the Gentiles and, and the, those who are um, raised in that Jewish law, they're having that conflict. And so Paul was trying to teach them, all you have to do is live in the Spirit. They had already received the Holy Ghost. They already knew what the Holy Ghost was. And so he was teaching them that if they would just live in the Spirit, if they would just walk in the Spirit, that's he was simplifying it for them. That's really all you have to worry about. Because, and then he goes on to explain, the spirit and the flesh, they're contrary to one another. So when the flesh tries to rise up, if you're walking in the spirit, your spirit will stop that. You don't have to have a list of do's and, and, and do nots. You don't have to have that list. He's trying to teach them. You just have to live under the spirit or walk under the spirit. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? That's easier said than done because we currently live in a fallen world. We live under, we now have flesh. And, and as long as we are on this side of heaven, as long as we are on earth, we're going to struggle with this. We have to keep our flesh in check. And if we don't, then the flesh starts to rise up. And if we don't, if we just say, well, 10 years ago I got the Holy Ghost, so I'm good and you don't pray, and you, and you don't continue to nurture that relationship with God, then the flesh starts to overcome, and the flesh can come back up, and you can start to fall away. And we know what happens there. We know what the flesh does, what the flesh produces. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 15, I just picked a couple of verses. We can go a long time on this, but it says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth 
death. We heard the same thing with Adam and Eve. He said, if you, if you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. It brings forth death. That's the natural result. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that is the fallen world, the fallen nature that we are finding ourselves in. And that's why we feel the, the pressures of this world. That is why we feel the environment of this world is not of peace, is not of love. It's, it's in turmoil. Why? Because we, that's our nature. That's in the flesh. And we can look at our world just as an example. Um, of, of course, there's always been sin in the world. Of course, there's always been this contrast between living for God and living in the world. But let's just look at the last 50 years. Let's just look at the last 50 years, five decades, and, and think, what has our society done? Our society continues to pull away any traditions, continues to pull away any, any norms. Any, they, they had the great idea that the reason why people are upset, the reason why people are under um, judgment or feeling guilty is because there's all these rules. So let's just get rid of the rules. And that's what the society's been trying to do, is trying to pull away. And they said, you know what? Whatever you want to do, that's fine. You do that. Go ahead. You feed that flesh. Whatever you want. If it makes you happy, go for it. And that's become the idol of our world. And how do we think it's turning out? The world's so much more peaceful, right? Everyone's happy. Everyone gets along. We don't ever hear about wars. We don't hear about arguments even in our own country, in our own state. We don't hear any of that, right? No, I think it's significantly worse. I think it's gotten worse. And that's because what are we doing? We're feeding that flesh. We're allowing the flesh to take over. And all that brings forth, we just read it. It brings forth death. It brings forth judgment. It brings forth condemnation. And so what do we do? What's our job? What do, how can we live above that? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. How can I, I want to do good. I want to live above sin. I used to, I even talked to some people. I've invited some people to church and they said, I want, I know I should and I want to, you know, one day I will, um, but I just got to get my life straightened out first. Has anyone ever heard someone say that? I just got to get some things in order first. I got to get my life straightened out first. And then once I do, once everything's in place and everything's, you know, I got everything where I want it, then I can start coming to church. Then I can start bringing my family to church. And that's, that's backwards, right? We, we come to church not clean. We, we don't come to church put together. We come to church like you come to a hospital. We come to church hungry. We come, we come to church wounded. We come to church... And, 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 and that's where God can fill us. That, that's where God can, can speak to our lives. He can give us our spirit and or his spirit, and we can start to rise above that. And then he's, he comes on the inside, and he changes us on the outside. That is how we rise above it. That is how we live in the spirit. And that is the whole reason why Jesus came to this earth. It's the whole reason why he came, and he died, and he rose again. Why? So that we can be changed. So that we can live with his spirit. Jesus was teaching about this. If you think back in the New Testament, Nicodemus comes to him and he starts asking him questions. He says, I, I know you're of God. I know you're a teacher. And he starts talking to him. And Jesus responds in uh, John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. He says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Then he says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We've all been born of the flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You want to know how you can get out of the, the environment of this world? You want to know how you can come above all of that and you can live a, a glorious life, a life more abundantly? You can tap into his spirit. That's why he gave us the spirit. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. I don't want to be born of flesh. You have to be born again. You have to be born of the spirit. And when you're born of the spirit, now you can live life more abundantly. Now you can come above all, all the sins, all, all the different addictions, all the different things that the world has to offer. You see, every one of us is born with a, a God-shaped hole in your heart. Everyone of us is born with that, and something's missing. And the world's answer to that is to fill that hole up with everything that you can. Get yourself entertainment. Get yourself, it, it maybe. It doesn't necessarily have to be bad stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, sinful stuff. But it could be like, oh, once you get that new job that you've been craving for, then everything will be good. Oh, once you get that new car you've been saving for, once you're able to finally get that new house that you've been wanting for, once you finally get whatever it is you're trying to get, that will fill the hole and that will give you fulfillment. But that, it doesn't happen, does it? I often think, uh, I can remember as a kid, I know we're getting ready to have Christmas, and as a kid, I couldn't wait for whatever it was I was asking for that year. I always had one big item that I would always ask for. And surprise, surprise, that was always the item that I would get. We'd get some other things. But there was always one big thing that, that I always wanted, and I couldn't wait, and everything would be so great. December 25th, I'm going to wake up and get that awesome CD player Walkman that is nowhere to be found anymore, of course. And as soon as you open it up, you're so excited. I can't, I'm thrilled that I finally have this. Now my life is complete. I have waited all month for this gift. And probably before the day is even over, that's worn off. Right? Pretty quickly, it's like, oh yeah, I got that. Eh. I use it sometimes. Nothing fulfills you like living for God. Nothing fulfills you like having the Spirit of God. And, and, and John, or in John chapter 14, Jesus was teaching this. In fact, I almost read the entire chapter of John 14. If you go back, here's your homework. If you go back and read John 14 and go into John 15, it almost parallels what Paul was talking about in Galatians. Because Galatians, Paul's teaching them about living in the Spirit. Well, Jesus was also teaching about living in the Spirit. He was teaching about what that's going to be like. And in this scripture we're about to go through here, Jesus had just had the Last Supper. He had just broke the news to the disciples that he is uh, going to be betrayed uh, by them. He's going to be betrayed, and he's going to go to the cross. He's going to be crucified, um, and then he's going to resurrect. And the disciples were very upset, very distraught by this. But no, you can't. You can't. You know, and of course, we know, you know Peter stands up and says, I would, you know, I would never let this happen. And of course, we know Peter does. And then Jesus is explaining to them that this has to happen. He, ha he doesn't want to do it either, right? We know that. He, the flesh part of Jesus, the human part of Jesus, didn't want to go through that either. But he knew he had to. And he explains, and I will pray the Father, and he shall abide with you forever. So I will pray to the Father, and he shall abide with you forever. Uh, next verse. 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Let's pause for a minute. Jesus is speaking. And, and earlier he says that the Father's going to send the Comforter too. He says that earlier. And so we got the Father's going to send the Comforter. And he's saying, I'm going to go to the Father. And then he's going to give the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Then he says, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you. Right? Who's he speaking of? Him. I'm right here. He's going to send you the Spirit. And that Spirit is dwelling with you right now. But he says, and it shall be in you. He wanted to leave so that he could come back and be in them, to resurrect in their life. That's what Jesus' plan was the whole time. He wanted to come and reside in you. That is how we can then live in the Spirit. If we go on um, to the next verse, verse 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. I will come to you. So which is it? Is it the Father? Is it the Comforter? Is it Jesus? Who's coming? It's all of them, right? It's one. There's one God. That one God, he's coming to you. He, he can live inside of you. He can help you. He can walk with you. In fact, I looked up that word comforter or comfortless too. It's not exactly what I thought. When I thought of comfort, I thought of someone who is there when I'm, when I'm heartbroken, someone who's there when, I, when I'm hurting, in, in like a nice warm blanket, a comfort. Right? Anyone else think that when, they're, when they read that? And, and it does mean that too. But when you actually look up the actual definition, it actually speaks more of a counsel or an aid or an assistant. Um, it says it's someone who uh, goes and pleads a case for you, an intercessor. So it's more than just, oh, I'm going to comfort you when you're feeling down. No, he's going to aid you. He's your intercessor. He is going before you. He's walking with you. When you go to work, he's there with you. When you go through trials and tribulations, he's there with you. Whatever you need, whatever situation you're going through, you have a comforter. You have an aid. You have an intercessor. You have the Holy Ghost that can help you through that. And, he, and Jesus continues teaching. Verse 19, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. So soon you won't see me in the flesh anymore. But you see me. Because I live, you shall live also. Because he lives, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. This is living in the Spirit. This is how you protect yourself from yourself. This is how you protect yourself from the flesh. What Jesus was teaching here is there's one God. There's one name. There's one faith, one baptism. And there's one that sits on the throne in heaven. And that one's name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It's not Buddha. It's not Allah. It's not Muhammad. His name is Jesus. And he wants to take up residence in your heart. He wants to be the counsel, the comforter for you. He wants to live inside of you so that every day, not just on Sundays, not just on midweek service, but every single day you get up, you rise up, and you put on the whole armor of God and say, Jesus, I need you today. I need your strength today. I need your comfort today. I need your healing today. He wants to live inside of you and breathe in you. That is living in the Spirit. 
If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can leave here today with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is how you can live above. How, how come the world doesn't get you down? How, how come you, you always see, I, I, I don't know, maybe you get comments like this, this too, but sometimes I'll get comments like, how come you always seem happy? Or how come you don't seem to be uh, down all the time? Because everybody else, it, it gets to them. The day-to-day -day grind, it gets to them. And of course, it gets to all of us. Sometimes we all struggle. But the Holy Ghost gives you strength. The Holy Ghost helps you. Our church has been through trial after trial and situation after situation. How can we keep going? How can we stand? Because we have the Holy Ghost. We have the Spirit that's going to help us, guide us, and direct us. If you've not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can leave here today changed forever. And that, that's what he wants. That's what he wants and desires. I'll keep reading here. Verse 21, he says, He that hath my commandments... And keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him. And I, again, I will manifest myself to him. He will come. Jesus himself will make himself real to you. Not just a third of the God. Not just a person, but all of God. He wants to be all of God to you. Skip down a couple verses. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost. So he gets very plain here, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I live with, excuse me, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says, I don't give like the world gives. You know how the world gives? Empty promises. You do this and you'll, you'll feel great. You, you give in to this temptation. You, you drink this. You, you do that. You, you get involved in this activity and all of a sudden things will be great. And we know maybe things are good for a few minutes. But then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. Living for the world, it never fulfills you. It's an empty promise. But Jesus was saying, I can leave you with peace. You can have peace. Man, our world needs peace. We need peace. I can tell you when 1230 at night when my daughter's having a medical episode, I need peace in that moment. We need the Holy Ghost every day. We need God to strengthen us, to give us peace. And then he, he goes on and says, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I know, again, turn off that TV. You turn on the TV, you turn on the news, and you can get real worried really quick. You see all the turmoil, all the trouble, all the things that are going on in this world, and you can get scared. And he says, no, no, no. Tap into the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Tap into the Spirit. Get, get out of this world. This is just temporary, remember? This is not our home. This is all just temporary. But we need to live in the Spirit. And that's what Jesus was teaching, and then Paul was teaching them. And, and, and you see a lot of the same words. Or, uh, Jesus was telling them that you, you don't need to worry about what's right and wrong anymore because the Spirit will direct you. And that's what Paul was saying. Don't worry about the law anymore. Let the Spirit direct, direct you. And so, okay, okay, you might say, I, I've done all that. I've repented. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I've been, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Evidence was speaking in tongues. I've done all that. How come... Life hasn't just been great ever since that day, right? Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. I got the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. I'm sad to tell you that life has not been just perfect every day of my life since I was eight years old. 
Why is that? Why? Well, because it's not enough to just be born in the Spirit one time. It's not enough to just live in the Spirit that one time. Later on, it says to walk in the Spirit. It's a daily walk. Every day, you got to get up and you got to re-enter, re-establish that Spirit in your life. What One of my heroes, and I know many of you know, uh, Brother Charlie Edge, He's went on to be with the Lord a few years ago now. But I can remember him always teaching. He, he would tell me, um, I've had the Holy Ghost for, I don't know how long, probably 50 years. I've had the Holy Ghost for 50 years. I lose it every now and then, but I always find a way to find it again. That's what Charlie said. What, what, he was, what was he talking about? Can you lose the Holy Ghost? No, you can't lose the Holy Ghost. However, remember that verse? Uh, I think, let's pull it back up. Galatians uh, 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. There is this battle going on in your life. Every single one of us, even after you receive the Holy Ghost, you still have this battle of flesh versus spirit. And one of them has to be fed. You don't have the option to just not feed them and just stay neutral. One of them has to be fed. And if you're not feeding your spirit, you're feeding your flesh. And so that's what Brother Charlie was trying to say. I lose it every now and then. What's, what does he mean by that? Because we go, we go through trials. We go through times where, you know, maybe you didn't pray enough. You didn't, maybe, uh, whatever reason. You go through seasons of your life where you're not full of the Holy Spirit. And the flesh starts to creep up in your life. And that's a, a warning sign to you. You can start to see warning signs that, hey, I need to, I need to get my life back with Jesus. Uh, I'll keep reading verse 17. Uh, so that Ye cannot do the things that ye would, verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Again, you don't have to worry about the law. You don't need someone to stand over you and say, this is okay, that's not okay, this is okay, that's not okay, don't do this, don't do that. You don't really need that. Why? Because you have the Holy Ghost. You have the Spirit, and he imprints the law. He imprints his word on your heart. Now, remember, Paul has two different groups that he's teaching to here. He's got those who are born in the Jewish faith, and, they, and they're like, okay, how do I not live under the law anymore? They're trying to grasp that. And then you have the other side who are Gentiles who've never heard any of this. They're completely unchurched. And how do they grasp, okay, how, how do I live under the Spirit? How do I know what's okay, what's not okay? And he's, he warns them, now don't take this as an occasion. Verse uh, 13, and we'll go back a little bit. He says, but brethren, you've been called unto liberty. You have freedom. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another. What, what was he saying there? He said, don't get too carried away and think that, okay, I can do whatever I want, right? That's what we talked about at the beginning. That's what the world tries to offer us. We, the world tries to offer this, this false liberty, this fake freedom, where he was saying, don't get carried away with that because if you're, if you're not careful, what are you gonna do? You're gonna allow the flesh to rise up in your life. Later on in verse 25, it says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And I thought that was interesting. He differentiates that. Live in the Spirit. Okay, if we're going to live in the Spirit, that's great. But then he says, let us also walk in the Spirit. So I started looking up, well, what's the differences between live and what's the difference between walk? And, and what I figured out <clears throat> is that when you live in the Spirit, that's your initial uh, conversion. That's your initial, when you're baptized, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you speak to no spoke in other tongues, the that's God living inside of you. But that's not where it ends, right? We got to continue to walk. 
When you look up that word walk, it doesn't simply just mean walk. It means to march in order like a military line. That spoke to me. Because remember, we're talking about living in the Spirit. And so if you're walking in the Spirit, you're not just walking aimlessly. Oh, I'm just going to go wherever I'm going to go. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. We'll see what happens. No, no, no. That's not what it says. You're to march, to walk orderly, like a military. How's a military line operate? Do they do anything on their own? Does a military decide, oh, I think I'm going to go over in this battlefield today? No, they follow the orders. They follow their marching orders of their commander-in-chief. Who's our commander-in-chief? This is why we have to be filled with the Spirit. This is why we have to live and walk in the Spirit. Every day when you get up in the morning, God, what would you have me to do today, God? Lord, is there anybody I can speak to today? Is there anybody that I can, I can be used by you today? Walk in the Spirit. Walk orderly. March. Listening to your orders. That's what we have to do. Um, and that's why we pray. That's why we, and Brother Gators mentioned a lot of those, those spiritual disciplines this morning, that we, we pray, we, we fast. Well, why do we do that? Because again, we're trying to beat down the flesh, right? We fast so that we can, we can win the war, the spirit above the flesh. We pray. We pray daily. We seek God, not just at church, but we, we got to pray. We got to get in tune to God. We come to church. We, we listen to preaching. We, we do all these things. Why? Oh, because it's tradition and it's what we've always done. No, that's not why. We do all those things. Why? So that we can grow the spirit inside of us. So that we can nurture that relationship, the spirit in us, that we can walk in the spirit of the Holy Ghost. That's why we do all those things. And, and when we pray, I know oftentimes we think, well, I'll pray for this and I'll pray for that. And of course, the Bible tells us to, to ask and we shall be given. We, we should pray for those things. But when we pray, it's not simply just, all right, God, here's my list of to-dos. All right, God, let me uh, just recite. You know, some, some people will just recite memorized prayers, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that by itself. But at some point, we pray not to change God, but we pray to change us. We pray so our, my mind, my heart, my spirit can align itself with the Lord's. And that's how we get our marching orders. That's how, when we, that's how we can walk in the Spirit is because we pray so that He changes us. We get into a deep prayer of intercessory where God starts to move on us. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. In our limited capacity, in our limited minds, we don't know what we should be praying for. The Holy Ghost knows. And so, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is how we walk in the Spirit, by praying, by getting in tune to the Spirit. This is how we protect ourselves from us. We live above the enemy. We live above the, above the flesh. It's not about you can't do this. And that's what Paul was trying to say. It's not about you can't do this. It's about you live above this. It's not simply about, oh yes, God forgave you of your sins. Yes, he did. But that's not an occasion to just go back into that slavery. And that's what Paul was saying earlier in that chapter. It's a way to escape it. It's a way to live above it and say, I don't need what this world 
has to offer. I don't need that in my life. What I need is the Spirit. Amen? And so, when you do this, when you walk in the Spirit, when you live in the Spirit, when you are, you're praying and you're fasting and you're doing all those things and you're trying to live right for God, what that does is it provides an environment. It provides an ecosystem, if you will, a climate that allows some good things to be born in you. And that's what Paul starts to go into when we know these as the, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, before Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he then goes into the flesh, the works of the flesh. And he names them, again, his wording, we'll go, we'll go to that scripture, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. That means the work, here's what the flesh produces, okay, which are these. And he doesn't say them as, okay, don't do this. He's simply just stating a fact that if you leave your flesh to itself, this is what it produces, and he says, uh, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, keep going. Uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, um, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He lists all of those sins. And he says, if you follow the flesh, if you don't follow the spirit, then you're going to follow the flesh. It's in us. And you could say, oh, I would never do X, Y, Z. We can look at other people and say, oh, I would never do that. Yeah, you would. We all would. It's in all of us. We're in, it's, that's our natural being. And the only way to overcome it is to get into the Spirit. And that's what Paul then says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So fruit means it's got to grow in you. It's not a work. The work of the flesh, this is what you'll do. But a fruit, it takes time. It grows. It then nourishes you. It nourishes other people. This is what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. In uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And also notice it says fruit, not fruits. It's not multiple. Now, of course, we, we're going to go into some of the, these descriptor words, but it's all describing that one fruit. We all get that same fruit. The gifts of the Spirit, it can be distributed out differently. Some people have some gifts and some people don't have certain gifts but we all get this fruit. When you live by the Spirit, when you walk by the Spirit, this fruit will be born in you. It says it is love. Some even say that that is the one fruit of the Spirit, love. And all these other words are just descriptors of that one love. That's, and those of you who understand the, the Greek with the different uh, forms of love, there's several different words for love. Some of them mean bro brotherly love. Some of them mean a different kind of like a romantic love. This one is an agape. This is the God love. This is a love that it's more than just feeling. It's more than just uh, emotion or just an a, a impulse decision, but it's a mental decision. It's a, a, a decided fact that I'm going to choose to love. And that's why Jesus said, if, if you love me, you're going to follow my commandments. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those first three things are all about your heart. Those first three things are what God's going to change on you first. We used to sing the song, uh, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. He's going to change your inside first. He's going to give you love. He's going to give you joy. He's going to give you peace. Again, those are things the world does not offer us. But when you live and walk in the Spirit, you can have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, or kindness. Some translate it as kindness, goodness, faith, the next verse, meekness, uh, and that one can be translated as gentleness, temperance, against such there is no law. 
What does he mean by that? Against such there is no law. We don't have a law because we don't need it. We're following the Spirit. We're being led, we're being guided by the Spirit, and because of that, here's how you'll recognize somebody who's living by the Spirit, somebody who's walking by the Spirit, is they, they will react with love, with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness, with, with generosity. That's the love or the fruit of the Spirit. And that's a check for us. It's a check for us, you know, and I, this week the Lord's been dealing with me about this message, and um, Earlier in the week, we had a, a not great night of going to sleep with our kids. They don't, I don't know about any of your kids, but our kids don't like bedtime. Shocking. And it was a rough night, and I, and I, can, I felt myself get real angry, and I got mad, and I re- overreacted. And, and afterwards, when, when they were in bed, and we were calming down, and I was, you know, reading the Bible, praying, I thought, you know what? That wasn't right of me. I overreacted. What was that? You know what that was? That was my spirit wasn't in charge at that moment. See, I already, I mentioned Jesus is the one sitting on the throne in heaven, right? The question is, who's sitting on the throne in your heart? Remember, there's that battle, the spirit or the flesh. Who's sitting in the throne of your heart? If you're not feeding your spirit, the flesh is sitting on the throne. And so what you have to do is you have to get back just like you did before. You say, God, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. You have to get back into that presence. You can do it here at church. You can do it at home, wherever you are. You just need to get back into the spirit. And you have to put Jesus, put the spirit back on the throne of your life. And that's how you walk in the spirit. That is how you protect yourself from yourself, from your flesh. If our musicians can come, I'm coming to a close. Um, we had uh, a student at, our, at the middle school that I work at, and there was an assignment that the teacher gave, and she was trying to see, just gauge the classroom, uh, making sure all the students had all their needs. They had, they had, you know, a roof over their head, and they had clothes, and they had, you know, all, all, all the different things that they need. So she had a, an assignment, and in the assignment, they asked, do you have everything that you need? Do you have all your physical needs? Do you have all your emotional needs? Do you have all these things? And the student answered, Middle school age students, somewhere between 12 and 14, said, yeah, I have all my physical needs. Everything that I need, I have. But I can't stop feeling like I'm missing something. I can't stop feeling like I'm incomplete. This is a middle schooler, and this is what they wrote. And, and I have no idea. I don't know the student. I don't know their family. I don't know if they go to church. I don't, I don't know any of those things. But I just thought that was so remarkable that this young child recognized that I feel incomplete. And she even put, I hope to one day find that thing that will make me feel whole. Remember, we all have that god size, that God-shaped hole in our heart. And I can, it reminded me, hearing that story and hearing about that student, it reminded me of Sister Kelly Gastineau and, and her testimony. She's told her testimony several times, but she talked about when she was a teenager, she went to a couple different churches and a couple different functions, and every time she would go, she knew she wanted more from God. She knew she needed more from God and that there was more to be had. And she would go to the altar. They would say, if you want saved, come up to the altar. And they would lead her, they would say, Re- recite this prayer. And she would recite the prayer, and they would say, all right, that's it. You're saved. And she would leave there and she said, I I just couldn't shake the feeling. I didn't know anything, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was missing something, that there was more. 
We know what that is, right? It wasn't long. In fact, let's stand. We're, we're getting ready to come up to the front. Let's stand. It wasn't, I don't know how many times she went and had those services, but she came to our church for one service. She came one time, just like we're about to do. She came up to the altar. She said she knew nothing. She had never heard of the Holy Ghost. She had never heard of speaking in tongues. She, never, she didn't know any of that. But she came up to the front and somebody said, if you want the Holy Ghost, you can have the Holy Ghost. And she began to raise her hands and she began to pray. And it wasn't long that she began to speak in a heavenly language. And all the other stuff came later. But she finally felt that completeness. She finally had that spirit born inside of her. Oh, she's had a long walk since then, just like all of us do. But she began the journey there to walk in the spirit. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you have never experienced that, if you've never had the Holy Ghost been born inside of you, this morning, it is here for you. This morning, you can walk with that protection from yourself. This morning, you can walk away with the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. And if you say, I've already had that, I've already done that, then I encourage you this morning to tap back into that presence. Tap back into the Spirit. Put the Spirit back on the throne in your heart and begin to worship God. Let's come. These altars are open.